booty, 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 booty. Hey, welcome to Back from the Brink. I am Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us shortly. In the meantime, what's going on around the world? Hey, somebody found a cannonball and tried to recycle it. They had to evacuate the Grand Rapids Recycling Center just after noon on Tuesday, finding that a live cannonball with a percussion cap-style detonator was trying to be recycled. The person returning it said they thought it was a shot putt. Uh, It's a six-pound munition, and it is explosive. It goes boom. So um, they had to go in and I'm sorry they had to go in and remove the cannonball uh and clean it uh and get it out of the recycling center and uh make it safe so uh they have just put out a notice do not recycle cannonballs um and if you find a shot putt laying around somewhere if it's got any kind of indentation like a hole in it that means that it's been drilled out and filled with explosive it's probably not a shot putt it's probably a cannonball um, if you're an athlete, you know, or a track athlete, you probably know what a shot putt looks like. Cannonballs aren't necessarily the same size, and um, they do have, some of them do have explosives. They're not just an iron ball. So just be aware. Uh, be careful what you try to recycle. There are ways to get yourself in trouble. Don't recycle things that go boom. Um, that's like trying to go to a book buyback and selling somebody a library book. Don't do that. It's a bad idea. That is grand theft. Uh, return your library books to the library. Um, there are better ways to make a buck than doing things like that. So it looks like China is making a move on uh, Hong Kong. Now, Hong Kong has been a special administrative area of China ever since it was uh, returned to China from, the, um, from Britain. And as a result, they have their own... Um, uh, their own government that operates in alignment with China. But as a lot of people are aware, there's been a lot of protests because China has been trying to uh, move to, to bring Hong Kong into the fold of China proper. And it is not a democracy. Realize that Hong Kong has been part of a democracy for a hundred plus years, and it is now being sort of folded into China and the Hong Kong people are not happy about it. So they, in, in Beijing, they have passed uh, a new law, or I guess Friday they're going to pass it, but they've already announced it, a new law that will ban sedition, secession, and treason. And on the face of it, you go, what country wouldn't want to ban sedition, secession, and treason? I mean, secession is, or sedition, for a lot of people who don't know, uh, the definition of sedition is conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of the state or monarch okay so uh people walking in the streets who are uh basically at a government an anti-government rally that is sedition obviously secession means you try to leave the the country that you're part of and say we want to make our own country and then treason is the betraying of one's country, you know, doing things that, you know, if you're trying to, you know, like, you know kill the sovereign or overthrow the government or, or do things that, to provide, uh, you know, government secrets to uh, opposing governments. And so, uh, you know, on the face of it, it sounds like, well, every com- con- country would do this. 
But in reality, what it is is it's a way for them to to define anything that they feel is not in full support of the Chinese government as illegal and to throw people in jail. And, you know, in, in our country, uh, while, while sedition, secession, and treason are illegal, we define them very, very loosely because we have laws that also protect people's right to free speech and right to gather. And so it's a little different, right? Here you're not going to get thrown in jail for saying things bad about the president. If that was the case, there would be no news people anymore. Erin's with us. Let's have her join us. Greetings, Erin. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Happy Friday. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just talking about the fact that China is kind of clamping down on Hong Kong. And yes, their, they, their, they are. their security law that they're passing today is uh, a ban on sedition, secession, and treason. And on the face of it, it seems like something reasonable that every country would do. But the issue is how you define what those those things are and whether the individuals have any additional protections. Because, you know, s- sedition is, is basically the act of talking about uh, or, or against your, your country and inciting speech to rebel against the authority of the country. Secession is trying to leave the country and create your own country from sovereign space within a country. And then treason is helping those who oppose your country in uh, in bringing your country down, you know, showing disloyalty and faithlessness. Um, and, you know, on the face of it, most countries would say, well, yeah, you're not allowed to, to do that here. Um, but, Except we don't. We well, had alien sedition acts, and those were ruled unconstitutional. They've been tried a couple of different times. And, right, but and, we but secession is illegal. I mean, we fought a civil war about that. We said, you know, you can't, and treason is illegal. The issue... Yes. The issue here is is that we also have laws that that supersede any of those kinds of laws that 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 are freedom of the speech. You know, I mean, frankly, if 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 uh, speech against your government was illegal, we'd have no news agencies anymore. That's you know? right. <laughs> I mean, it's true. That's how they make their bones anymore. You know, I, I I don't I don't think I remember seeing a news broadcast that didn't talk either positively or negatively about a, a president depending on which president is sitting there. You know, that's kind of what they do. Um, yes. And so, you know, clearly this is a move by China to put pressure and put the fear of God into people in Hong Kong that we're going to round you up and send you to work camps because of your act of uh, sedition and treason is how they're going to frame it based on this new law. And uh, it's really scary about what's going to happen there because, you know, uh, our president has said that's not an acceptable way to behave. And, you know, so then the question is what we're going to do about it. Um, I don't and, know that we I don't know that we're going to go. I don't know that we'll go to war over Hong Kong. I don't um, think I don't think we will either. We'll, we'll do a lot of economic things, though, and that can cause a lot of have a lot of repercussions. Now, we uh, there was a story yesterday, and I don't know if we talked about it yesterday or um, I just read it. Um, I'm sorry. I read so many stories. Yeah, online, I know. It blurs. I don't remember. It, it blurs. blurs. It really does. Yeah, I have um, the same so, problem. I read lots of stuff, and some of it I tag for us to talk about and we talk about later, and some of it I just go, hmm, that's interesting, and move on. And move on. Exactly. And so, I don't remember where um, and why. <laughs> Mike Pompeo uh, congratulated the incoming president of Taiwan. And um, China bristled at that. They were very unhappy about that yeah. because 
they don't see Taiwan as having their own government. They see they have a one China policy. Well, we are we we are obviously supporters of Taiwan. We do recognize Taiwan, and mm -hmm. um, but this is the first time. Uh, a and maybe unofficially recognized Taiwan. This is the first time an American president, I think, had um, uh, congratulated the uh, new president of the Free uh, Republic of Taiwan. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the Chinese were not happy about that because yeah. you know, they're they are a brutal dictatorship, guys. This is people. This government puts uh, people in jail in work camps simply because they're Muslim, because it's illegal mm -hmm. to have a faith. In China, whether it's yeah. Christianity or Islam or whatever, you're you're supposed to worship the state. Yeah, which is what happens in communist countries. Yeah, no, there there are people of of uh, you know Buddhist faith and Christian faith who are missionaries who have been thrown in jail and not just jail. These are sometimes brutal work camps. There's some yes. um, just horror stories about how people are treated there because you know they don't have any any. Um, social sense of responsibility to individuals they really don't it's all they about really don't. the 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 group think and the and and what is perceived to be best for the overall uh country and community by those in power but those are the only ones who have a voice in it is those in power yeah you know and the whole idea of the one china thing is is a little horrifying or if you happen to live in any of these uh, the the small Asian countries around the periphery, because at one time or another, all of them have been dominated by the Chinese. Uh, yes. And so, you know, it you can tell that their long term plan is to just go collect all those back up. You know, yes. everything well, like that Russia, I think, would very much like to rebuild the Soviet Union. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you look at the, the things that have happened in Ukraine and Russia has basically gotten away with it. I mean, they went in and just took part of another country and the world went, shame on you, shame on you. And then we all yawned collectively and went back to our business and Russia's like, OK, we've got that one. Um, and, you know, so they start thinking about the next piece of property that they can acquire and the people that they can acquire and 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 just take. And they made the same argument that Hitler made when he annexed uh, what was then Czechoslovakia. The part of yeah, the Sudetenland. Said, oh, Yes, the Sudetenland, because it was, uh, you know, there was such a, such a large number of ethnic Germans. Well, I mean, then Mexico could come in and annex California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. And say, yeah. well, there's so many, you know, uh, Mexicans who live in this area that we should be the, they should be part of us. Yeah. And we wouldn't stand for that here, and they shouldn't have to stand for that there. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's uh, and that's a beautiful analogy to make, really bring it home. So people understand that. And people, you know, might laugh and say, well, yeah, Mexico can't take anything from us. We're much tougher and bigger and stronger. And it's like, yeah, but you can imagine if 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 it were reversed, if they were the ones who had the economic juggernaut, uh, you know, and, and we were the, um, uh, you know, less powerful country, less economically and, and army wise powerful country, what we couldn't stop them. Right. I yeah. mean, you know, if there was, uh, you know. 50 miles inside the Mexican border, a whole bunch of, of Americans living there that, uh, you know, we wouldn't be coming, you know, how would we justify saying, well, we've decided we want that property and we just move in and take it and our army is there and you can't stop us because that's what Russia did. That's exactly and, what Russia did. And, and know, if, if I were Belarus, although Belarus is pretty close to the Russian government, they might, they might go happily, I don't know, but, but Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania, uh, and Finland, well, Finland's always been separate, but 
uh, if I were Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania, I'd be I'd be pretty scared. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, Finland, whether it's always been separate or not, that doesn't seem to be a criteria. If the Russians determined that it was somehow traditionally theirs or there was a lot of ethnic Russians living there, that's all the justification they need. That's what they've yeah. used as justification before. And it's it's terrifying to think that, that um, you know, armies could just march in and say, well, now you're Russian. Yeah, exactly. Aren't exactly. you lucky? Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the mm-hmm. world is a, is a bit of a scary place at the moment. It is. I guess the you know? world is always a scary place, but it seems scarier right now. Yeah, well, I think, you know, having everybody been locked down, we have a lot of time to think about it. But also, um, I think that's part of why China is also making these moves now, because they know that there's a lot of people who have been walking in the streets and protesting in Hong Kong over the last year who won't necessarily go walk in the streets and protest. And if they do, they're going to arrest them for breaking the laws about staying home because of COVID. Yeah. So they're they're taking advantage of the situation and moving now to, to curtail a bunch of the freedoms of people in Hong Kong. And I think it's really important to talk about culture in, in the context of Hong Kong. Chinese culture is obedient. You honor the people who have authority over you, right? I mean, that's you don't want to dishonor your family by being a rebel, rebel like you like you do. People do here in the United States, we do whatever we want, but in China, that is not that that's not their culture. And so, for people to get to the point where they are they are actively out there protesting, it is serious, guys. This isn't this isn't you know I'm I'm upset because of something small. This is I'm upset because of something huge, right? Um, and so yeah. I, to get I people think, in the streets regularly for a year, it's big, yeah. big, big. It's big. Yeah. Yeah. So much different than here where people get upset about, you know, the, the you know, the hangnail that didn't get handled by their nail shop and they're out protesting. Exactly. Uh, you know, exactly. It, you know, our, our country and our, our culture is is much more um, uh, volatile in terms of uh, taking action on things. Well, it's like the bozo in the Costco who got kicked out because he wasn't wearing a mask. And he says, I have freedoms. And like, yeah, so does Costco, buddy. You need to leave. Yeah, yeah. It's not a public place. It's a private company. And they can they can set they can, the rules. They can kick you out just, just because they want to. They could require hazmat suits if they wanted to. <laughs> Which, by the way, are available for $50 on Amazon. Oh, seriously? Yeah, the throwaway hazmat suits that, you know, like... Oh, that's funny. <laughs> the, the, what is it, they're made out of the, it's not the uh, woven material, but the pressed material, the, um, like, Tyvek type stuff. Oh. Yeah. So. so you could go out and play CSI. Yeah, well, which is interesting, you know, you couldn't get a face mask, but you could buy a hazmat suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, now you can get face masks on the corner of the street. In fact, I, the last batch I bought... Um, I bought some and I was going to order a couple more because we said, you know, these are uh, we've washed them a few times. And quite frankly, they, they were cotton and they shrank and they don't reach from on, on my face. They don't reach from ear to ear anymore, which is, is disconcerting. Uh, <laughs> I have to basically hold one up one side up for some of the ones that we had. Um, and so I was going to get some more and they were like three for twenty dollars when I bought them on Amazon the last time. We had to wait several weeks because they were back ordered. And I happened to be going to the grocery store, and there's a guy standing alongside the street selling, you know, masks, homemade masks. And so pulled over, and he says, four for five bucks. So I said, here you go. So I bought four of them that way, uh, you know, sealed in little plastic bags, probably made in Wuhan. So, um, or made by his wife. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm sure. Anyway, it, um, 
It was a funnier punchline to say Wuhan, but anyway. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and but ironically, they were just as nice and, and, in fact, some ways nicer than the ones that I got. I got two of them that are made out of that real thin neoprene, and they had one had Lakers and one had Dodgers imprinted on the side, and then there were two of them that were cotton with little elastic bands, and those actually fit my face better, so those are what I've been wearing. Awesome. Need to go find that guy and get some more. That's awesome. That's, that's mm-hmm. capitalism, folks. Way to go, dude. Yeah, it didn't take long. Really didn't, you know, for suddenly no. suddenly guys to be standing on street corners selling masks for five bucks. Uh, I, I love capitalism. I love entrepreneurship. I love it when, when your average Joe sees a need, goes out there, makes it happen, and starts earning money for himself. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. It's like, hey, I can't, I can't go to my job, so... Uh, Gotta do something we'll uh, else. we'll crank up the uh, the mask production line here at home, and uh, our kids are home, so we've got cheap labor, and let's do this. That's <laughs> ah, awesome. That's how it should be. Yeah. Honestly, that's awesome. Yeah, minus the you know child labor, but they, you know, well, you know. it's not going to hurt your kids to do a little bit of work and pitch in. Come on, make a mask, kid. Ex- exactly. Well, I mean, if it's your own kids, child labor for my eye, unless you're making it work 18 hour days but kids pitching in that's even actually legal in the u.s you can have your kids working at your family store or restaurant um uh even if they're under 16 yeah and and there's no reason that the family shouldn't all work together and come together in those situations there's stuff like that have you um and i know you're mostly streaming but you can get it on streaming i think it's on hulu uh there's a there's a, a series out now called uh the baker and the beauty and it's about a, a family-owned bakery in, in Little Havana. It's a uh, comedy where the no, uh, I have not heard of that, but it one, sounds good. It's really cute. One of I think they're on episode six or seven, something like that. It comes out on Monday nights. Um, and the uh, one of the sons at a restaurant, his girlfriend, who's very um, um, uh, very much an extrovert, basically. Uh, Asks him to marry her in the restaurant very publicly, and he has decided that, in fact, he was getting ready to break up with her, even though they've been going out for three years. That he, he, anyway, he says no, and then when he goes to the bathroom, he runs into this famous like uh, personality, sort of a Kardashian type person, um, who's in the men's bathroom because there's no line, and they talk, and then they bump into each other later. Anyway, slowly they ha- start having a friendship, which is very cool. That is cool. Yeah, it's a very cute, and and you know, it's him and his family dealing with suddenly being in the fame circle, and what does that mean, and can the relationship survive that, and her finding somebody who's a nice person who likes her not because she's famous, but just because they like each other. It's just it's very cute. It's well done. It sounds like it. Yeah, it she's Australian, like and he's he's uh, Cuban American, and it's it's. Uh, uh, you know the family interactions are great, and the uh, the each of the different stories of the the his siblings and his parents. It's just it's been. I would I, I strongly recommend if you're looking for something fun to watch, go find um, uh, the Baker and the Beauty or the Beauty and the Baker or something like that. <laughs> and what channel is it on? I don't know. It's on. <laughs> it's on the TV box. Uh, the B E A U T Y and the. Beauty and oh, Baker and the Beauty. It's on uh, Wikipedia. It's on ABC, so it'll be on Hulu. <laughs> it's on Wikipedia. No. <laughs> yeah, well, it's in Wikipedia. There you go. You and they say check it out on ABC. 
Check it Here out. Check it out. By it's the a... way, speaking about ABC, I am. I know that. I know why they shut down production of Grey's Anatomy, but like I'm dying. Oh Where yeah. Is my Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Well, a good thing is on is that it's been on for a billion years, so you can watch old episodes and and you've forgotten them. No, I haven't. <laughs> I've watched them all. When my mother was dying. <laughs> When my mother yeah. was dying, Grey's Anatomy provided me with tremendous comfort. And I know that sounds weird, but it totally did. Yeah, it you was know. the little fantasy world that you could go into and not have to think about anything. <laughs> yeah, and it's and yeah, no, yeah, I, get that. I just really enjoyed it. Um, so, uh, and, you know, she was living in hospitals. So some, some, for some reason, I found comfort in that show. So, yeah, um, I've watched them all. And I'll yeah. watch them all again. I love them. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like uh, we've talked about before. Rewatching um, um, West Wing, you know, it's one of those shows where I I rewatched it multiple times. I've watched it in order. I've watched it out of order. Um, you know, it's it's just it's such a good, well written show that it's it's worth a rewatch every so often. You know, the other thing that I rewatch a lot, and and this is um, just uh, it's brain candy, but I like watching old episodes of Friends. Oh, that's you know? no. I know a lot of people who do, yeah. and it's just not my thing. I enjoy that because it's brain candy. It doesn't require much thinking. There's not, you know, it's like the. Um, I find that it has held up better than. Although I, I enjoy watching some old episodes of, of uh, Seinfeld as well. Um, Friends to me just is is so easy to watch because you don't really have to pay super close attention to it, and yet you still get the jokes. They all land. It's it's, you know that that ensemble just clicked and so it was cool yesterday was red nose day did you know that uh no um so is that for like a children's hospital is that like saint jude's or something red nose day is a national day that where they try to get people to make donations to uh end hunger uh, primarily for children so it's huh. uh, support food banks and do things like that. And uh, traditionally, you would go buy a red nose somewhere and wear your red nose as a you know a clown nose. Uh, and uh, Walgreens would sell them for a buck, you know, and the dollar would go to the charity and things like that. So um, in lacking that, and you can still buy them online, um, you can buy a virtual red nose, and then you can post selfies with your with your virtual red nose that's put on on your phone. Uh, so there's an app you can download. Um, you just have to search for red nose. Um, That's kind of cool. Yeah, they had I, some some specials on last night, which is what made me think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Had I realized it when we were doing our walk, I would have put a red nose on because I've actually got one somewhere around here that I had purchased, I think, last year or the year before for Red Nose Day. Come um, to think of it, I think I might have purchased one ages ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's something they've been doing for a while. I have a vague so, recollection of having purchased a red nose. Yeah. Obviously, it was pre-recorded in, in, prior to the time of COVID, but uh, Jack Black posted a celebrity escape room. Um, and uh, and so it was fun to watch the celebrities try to figure out the clues so that they could get out of the escape room. And each time they got a clue, then um, another, uh, like, five or $10,000 was added to the money that was going to be donated, and it was being... Uh, funded by um gosh i'm forgetting which company it was i want to say mcdonald's but i'm not sure that's right that's clever but yeah it was kind of cool and so the you know they would get one and then you know he was basically narrating the action and every time they would get a clue then he would say okay you've now earned anyway they ended up earning uh dollars because they got out of the escape room under the time they made they did it with six minutes to spare 
and um, uh, the celebrities were uh, Lisa Kudrow and Courtney um, um, Cox. Courtney Cox and um, Ben Stiller. And obviously this was recorded before COVID, so it was before Ben Stiller's father passed away. And the other guy uh, was on, um, gosh, he's Parks and Recs. Parks and Rec? I can't remember his name. I don't remember the other guy's name. Um, it was interesting because I wondered how they got those four together because, like, the two had a connection through friends, but the other two, I don't know what connection they had to them. But, but they were all very funny um, and, uh, and had a really good time. And let me tell you, you get locked in an escape room and you want some help, you want Courtney Cox with you. That woman picked up on more clues. She saved their buns <laughs> several times. Seriously? Yeah, of Seriously. the group, of the group. Yeah, and and at one point they had to do a karaoke song, and they had to do a um, um, "You Got to Fight for Your Right to Party." You know the um, uh, Beastie Boys. Yes. Lisa Kudrow had never heard the song, and really? she cannot sing. The, oh. the Phoebe singing, there was no joking there. That's how she sings. <laughs> Or maybe she was just doing it for comedic effect. I don't know, but she didn't oh, know the song. So and of course, it's it's a rap anyway. But um, yeah, she she's oh man, <laughs> she didn't she didn't know the words. Luckily, it was karaoke style, so she could kind of read it. But but when you don't know the song, it's tough to even do the rap correctly. It was funny. Oh, how do you get uh, through the eighties and you've never heard that song? I know, really. That was what Ben Stiller was looking at her like seriously. <laughs> how how old are you? Right. <laughs> you know, did like, you not? Yeah. Did you not live through the 90s? Come on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember. Yeah, yeah that song was, was worldwide in, like, 1985. Oh, and it hit so big, so big. Um, there's actually a really interesting on uh, Apple TV Plus. There's a, uh, like, 90-minute or two-hour documentary on the Beastie Boys and the uh, two surviving members, Adam Yoke, uh, Yauk, uh, died of cancer, liver cancer, I think. Um, I want to say 2012, something like that. Um, but it was, they do it, the, the two remaining guys do like a retrospective stage show where they talk about how the band came together and the problems that they had and how then they, their second album was a, a flop and then, and then their third album finally hit again. But now they were a different kind of band. They were playing instruments instead of just, you know, scratching and, and had a, working with a DJ and, and you know the evolution of the group, and uh, and a little bit about the personalities of the guys involved. Very interesting. It was done by Spike uh, Spike Jones, oh, who cool. who also did some of their early video work um, when he was first starting out. So uh, yeah, they, they interesting guys and interesting life that they that they ended up living and and how they evolved as uh, you know from from a couple of guys hanging out in their neighborhood, kind of joking on on rap. To, and then hitting it huge, and then sort of evolving into actually being musicians, and and, uh, and their whole history. It was very interesting. So they were just friends from New Jersey, right? I mean, they're just yeah, New just York. a bunch of guys from the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they were from Queens, but they, um, but yeah, they were literally they were guys from the neighborhood. It was one thing that was very interesting is that when they started out, they were actually a, a four person b- uh, band. They had a woman who was a drummer. Uh, oh. and, uh, and as they started to hit big, they were basically told she doesn't quite fit the image. And so they basically told her she was out and that if their name is Beastie Boys, clearly she doesn't fit that, uh, image. And they both expressed real sadness at how that happened and the fact that they, um, 
basically treated her badly and kicked her out just as they were taking off. And she had been with them from the beginning as their drummer and also did some of the, um, the rapping and was a full member of the band. And they basically just went, um, well, we've talked to producers and you're gone. And, and then they felt oh, really bad I about that. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, her name was Kate Schellenbach. And interestingly enough, she ended up um, being the drummer for the group Luscious Jackson later. And, uh, and they signed Luscious Jackson to, uh, to their record uh, company at one point because they had launched their own record company and have since, you know, mended the fences with her and are friends with her. But, you know, she was somebody that they grew up with and from the neighborhood and was in their band and they just booted her just as they were making it big and felt really bad about that. So... As they should have. That was rotten. Yeah, it was. It was a pretty crappy thing to do. And and but you know that you hear stories about that all the time of somebody who made it and and they dumped some of their friends along the way who were in their band or something. You know, there was a lot of stories about Cheryl Crow doing that with some of the people that she wrote music with early on, because in order for her to be given the opportunity to go further, she needed to do what the producers that were giving her that opportunity said. And you know, you would hope that some of those people would then later go back and say, "Hey, I'm going to work with some of those people again," because. You know they're my friends, um, and try to mend those fences. But you know it, it's 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 not a not a new story. So although I think that, and this is just rumors, but they not only she not only bailed on her friends, she stole some of the music that they wrote together. Um, well, I, from what I understand, that she didn't necessarily steal it; she used it and she credited them. They got credit for it, and some of them actually ended up getting a Grammy for off off that first album for the. Um, um, uh, was it all I want to do? Yeah. All I want to do is have some fun. Yeah, several of them ended up getting a Grammy Award as a result of that because their names were on the song. It was written as, you know, with the group on the uh, In fact, her first first one was the Tuesday Night Music Club, and that's what they called their group when they would meet on Tuesday nights and kind of work through song ideas. And, yeah, so, she recorded one of those song ideas. <laughs> ah, okay, But she didn't right. use any of the... Uh, any of the um, the guys who helped write it who are also musicians and you know in the recording of it because the producers said no we're going to use our people yeah so at least that's how i understand the story yeah and that's what you know again it's show business and it's you know this is a business where people get ripped off when they write a a a story because you know they they didn't get the right contract signed so as we talked about earlier you know yes Yes, it's it's a rough place and you need to make sure you have somebody looking out for your interests. And and you have to think about it that way. Even if you're in what you think is a group, you never know. Right. Yes. So have you seen the movie changing the subject? Have you seen the movie? Um, oh, my gosh. Reese Witherspoon, Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, my gosh. Reese Witherspoon, Sweet Home Alabama. I don't think I've seen that. I've seen one called oh, just Sweet funny. Home Alabama. You're very funny. You're very funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. No. Oh, and you well. And I do that all the time, don't I? I? I start talking about something and then just blank and then start giving clues so that you can guess what's in my brain that won't come out. Yes, Sweet Home Alabama, I have seen, and it, I enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun. I love it. There's a scene in there where um, uh, she goes to this big house because she's using this name that does not belong to her because her name is is uh, Melanie Smooter instead of Melanie Carmichael. Yeah. She goes to the Carmichael estate. And it's this big, southern, beautiful southern uh, estate you know, this uh, obviously with planta- plantation house and whatever. And mm-hmm. the crazy dad and uncle are like shooting uh, cannonballs mm-hmm. in the backyard. Yeah, uh, one of her best friends from high school was uh, Carmichael, right? Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. Billy and Ray. He's, I think it's Billy, Billy Ray, Ray or something like that. And wasn't he like yeah. um, he was gay, but he wouldn't tell his uh, his family or something. It was yes. some kind of and weird she twist in that. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a great movie. Well, somebody actually found one of these cannonballs, not from the movie, but a real cannonball. That scene reminded me of this. Or yeah. this reminded me of that scene. Right. Um, so apparently they found a cannonball and they put it in the recycling bin. Bin. Yeah. And then they had to shut down the recycling company. (laughs) They did because it it was live. Yeah. And it was from the Civil War. You know what? I think it's probably, uh, there's a lot of people who even, first of all, they said they thought it was a shot putt. But I think there's a lot of people who don't realize that those cannonballs aren't just a big steel ball. That there's an indentation where they drilled it out and put explosives in it. That, you know, in the Civil War, they knew that, you know, if you shoot a giant ball somewhere, that you have to actually hit it. Whereas if you shoot a ball that explodes, you can hit near it and and do a lot of damage. And so, exactly, you know, people in the Civil War weren't stupid; they understood how to build a, a weapon. Um, and apparently, people now are maybe a little stupid. <laughs> well, and, and I'm thinking, are they the same? Because a shot put is the size of your of your hand. I, th- I would yeah. imagine a cannonball is a little bigger than that. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but uh, that um, was my thought: was that that they were, you know, that couldn't you tell the difference in size? Yes, and since when, when are shot, ball, shot puts made out of steel? That's so, how they're made. Um, so, do not recycle cannonballs is the headline on this story. Yeah. That was the message from a county commissioner in Michigan on Tuesday after a uh, Kent County resident tried to, well, recycle a cannonball. Grand, Grand Rapids police evacuated the center um, just after noon on Tuesday after finding a live cannonball believed to have a percussion cap style detonator. The six pound munition, initially mistaken for a shot put ball, came from the Civil War, according to the Department of Public Works. It noted the ordinance was safely removed by Michigan State Police Bomb Squad. Um, Commissioner Phil Skaggs reminded residents to follow the instructions on how to recycle. <laughs> if you do find a, a cannonball, call your local li- law enforcement and stay away from it. Yeah. Yeah, stay away from them. Um, a, a, by the way, shot, shot puts are made out of steel. Uh, are a men, they? Yeah, a men's shot put weighs 16.01 pounds, and a women's weighs 8.8 pounds. Oh, I didn't and realize they were that heavy. Big steel ball. but uh, And I could see them being, being, I mean, it looks like a shot put's a little bit bigger than a softball. So, a men's shot put. So, well, well, and in context, nobody expects to find a cannonball from the 1860s. True. Right? And so... You know, you see something, and your brain is not even going to go there. It's going to go to what? Is, what is the thing most likely? You know, what is it most likely? And it's a it's most likely thing that it could be is a shot put. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think that's probably a fair assessment. They say the shot is made of different materials these days, including uh, iron, cast iron, solid steel, stainless steel, brass, synthetic materials like polyvinyl are sometimes used on the outside. Um, but yeah, uh, you find a big giant five inch in diameter BB laying around somewhere and you go like, hey, that's probably worth something. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't end up on eBay. <laughs> you know? Right? Yeah, send that through the mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, shipping costs will kill you, man. <laughs> and and it might too. <laughs> if it goes kaplowy in your in your living room. Yeah, uh, you know, I have to think, you know, places where where wars have been fought more recently, mm-hmm. um, uh, like in Europe and Belgium and France and in 
Germany, there's got to be unexploded ordnance hidden in lots of places. Yeah. Yeah, all kinds of stuff like that. When I was in preschool and kindergarten, wasn't even first grade, uh, my family lived in Virginia, and on occasion my dad and I would go walking through the woods out behind our house. We lived on the military base in Virginia. And in those woods, if you just looked down while you were walking, you could find um, Civil War mini balls. And they call them mini balls, but they actually were basically bullets. Um, They weren't round. They looked like a bullet. Um, but huge diameter. But they were Civil War era mini bullets. We used to have. Oh my you know, gosh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I don't know whatever happened to them. We used to have some um, that we found while we were out on a walk. I mean, there were just a bunch of them out there, and so clearly there had been a battle fought or a training grounds or something right there. Um, you know, it may have been just a training grounds. You know, since I don't know how long that that uh, military base had been a base, it might have been one that went all the way back to the Civil War. Um, well, for Virginia all I know. was the capital of the Confederacy, wasn't it? Uh huh. So, you know, it's that's may have been a battle. There were battles fought in Virginia, as we all know. Yeah, let's see. It was originally called Fort Fletcher. Oh, no, that's the wrong one. Never mind. Uh, I'm thinking of the wrong name. I have to think of the name of the, of the, the, the base. Huh. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's very possible that, you know, like that was a base where they did training, and it was like, like a... Um, uh, target practice where they taught people how to shoot. Um, but it might have been also the source or, or location of a battle. There were also lots of battles fought in the Civil War, unfortunately. So, so Virginia is an incredible state. I would like to it's beautiful. Um, t- take so a, a beautiful. vacation there, extended vacation, and mm-hmm. just get into the history, yes. you know, from Colonial Williamsburg to Appomattox, which we visited, but I'd like to spend more time there, to, you know, all of these places in mm-hmm. Virginia that are... Maybe not are, in the winter, but yeah. <laughs> I don't mind the winter. I really yeah. don't. No, I, I don't mind the snow. I, I don't want to be out in it, like, trekking around in it, going to these to some of the historical things, and, and, and but it's beautiful. Absolutely Appar- beautiful. Apparently, Colonial Williamsburg gets all decked out for Christmas and it's, it's supposed to be just gorgeous. So that might be something fun to do. I, at yeah, I imagine that it, uh, that it's gotta be. So, well, we are yeah. just about out of time. Almost, almost out of time. <laughs> okay. It, it, I was, I did have the name right. I just had to put the word Virginia behind it. It was a Union fort built shortly after fighting to capture one of the most in, important Confederate lifelines to Petersburg. Oh. The Weldon Railroad. The fort was built in August and September of 1864 after the eventual capture of the railroad and represented the continuing Union movement to encircle the city. And so, um, yeah, it has been so there it's a by Richmond? long, long time. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Fort Hayes. So there you go. It was a Civil War fort, so it's been there a long time, which explains the uh, the remnants of stuff in the woods. Yeah, no kidding. How exciting. That's yeah. really cool. Interesting, you know. I probably could have, like, asked my parents this stuff, right, about, you know, they probably knew more about it then because they were adults. I was a wee tot, but uh, but uh, it was an interesting place. I remember that. It was really cool because you could literally walk out the back door and into the woods. I mean, our backyard went back maybe 20 or 30 feet, and then there was a little bit of a berm, and then you were in the woods. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very pretty. So, So, anyway, we are out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Todd Brinker. 
I'm Erin Brinker. Have a wonderful day. See you on Monday. Or actually Tuesday. Monday's a holiday. That's right. <laughs> See you on Tuesday. Enjoy you your Tuesday. Memorial Day. Enjoy celebrating my anniversary tomorrow, everybody. Celebrate uh, yeah. on me. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>